ladies and gentlemen and everybody who doesn't identify with those labels, I'm Stu Simpson and welcome back to the Stu Simpson Show podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest indeed and we met in a very, very under some very interesting circumstances. Their name is Venka Langhoff. Did I, did I say that Venka? Did I say it right? Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Thank you. Excellent. Yes, we met at a sweat lodge in uh, Leicester. We did, yes. And what took you to, why did you go to the sweat lodge? Um, I am a shamanic practitioner and have worked shamanically since 2016. And I hadn't done a sweat lodge yet. So even though I grew up with saunas and being German, um, I just went to experience it really and to see what it was all about because it seems to be cropping up more more and more in society these days the yeah. name sweat lodge so i thought i'll give it a try yeah yeah a number of re- i had very similar reason things as well but it says on your on your website your uh, health and life coach is it budvig or budwig yeah budvig yeah, yeah. a budvig diet uh, and you do reiki and eft which is emotional freedom technique um or tapping i think uh, and matrix mm-hmm. re-imprinting uh, and as you mentioned shamanism but that's a lot of stuff yeah, I think, like many people, I'm sure, will uh, experience once they start walking their spiritual path, you kind of just keep moving because it's such an exciting path to walk and you just move from one thing to the next. So, you know, mm. my path was healing and these are all the things that have helped me in my own healing and that I now share with others. Excellent. And so let's get delve into a bit of your history. Where are you from originally? So I'm originally from Germany. I actually grew up in um, socialist East Germany as a child uh, in a very rural area. So very much the sort of upbringing we would regard today as idyllic in many ways, even though politically many people might argue it wasn't. Um, but, you know, we lived in the countryside. My dad was a hunter. I grew up in forests surrounded by fields. As children, we were extremely free. We would run around, we would cycle around, you know, and our parents often didn't know where we were until the church bell would ring at quarter to six. And we knew then wherever we were, we could hear the bells. And that was the sign to make your way home. And if huh. by sort of six o'clock, 10 past six, you weren't home, you knew daddy would be on his bike looking for you and then you'd be in trouble. But it was a very free upbringing, um, contradictory to the political system that we, you know, you would, uh, the ideas you would have around that. Um, So yeah, and a very upbringing close to nature, which I think still has formed me and still feeds into everything I do today. I mean, we had a big garden, we would grow all our vegetables. We were pretty much self-sufficient, you know, in terms of food. My dad would hunt for the meat we had. Uh, And yeah, you would substitute with stuff you bought, but there wasn't much in the shops anyway. So a lot of the people were just self-sufficient and grew what they needed. That sounds awesome. Um, So did we brought up with any sort of religious beliefs at all? Um, No, not at all. So on the contrary, East Germany, socialism was regarded, obviously, as the sort of state ideology. And there were churches in the country. But unless 
a lot of people who went to church would have worked independent of the state and there were not many jobs that were independent of the state. So if you were a plumber or a, an electrician, you had your own business, then those were the people that would go to church because they didn't need the state for their career path. Mm. So anyone who needed, my mom was a teacher, my dad actually worked for the security services. So anyone who had a state job, you you would have really had a disadvantage if you were seen to practice religion in any way. Right. So I would say I always believed in God and I always believed in something bigger than us mm -hmm. being there. Uh, but I didn't have a formal religious upbringing, you know, in yeah. terms of going to church and being taught stories about Jesus. All that came later um, when I searched for it. But my early childhood definitely didn't have any of that. Mm. So where did your actual spiritual journey start? Where did it all begin? Well, I think the spiritual answer would be many lifetimes ago. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's stick to sort of this lifetime. Yeah. Um, I would say in 2016, I would say it began. Um, at the time, I suffered really severely from stage four endometriosis, um, an illness that affects a lot of women. There's a lot more knowledge about it now and a lot more media coverage about it. It's an illness that comes along with a horrendous amount of pain mm -hmm. and I think I just got to the point where living in this world was just too painful and I was looking for a way out uh, and you know suicide was one way out and the spiritual path was another yeah and I'm glad I chose the spiritual one even though I had many many months think, you know looking at the other one as well and weighing up options um but yeah, I'm glad I'm here to yeah. tell the story today. And I, you know, and I went down the spiritual path and it totally saved me and anchored me and healed me. And I would not want to change anything that's happened in my yeah. life, including my illness, because it brought me on that path. And I'm incredibly grateful for it today. Absolutely. I think gratitude is a very important part of, um, of, of change and acceptance and moving forward with things and um that's a beautiful beautiful way of um encapsulating it because i've got people in my life at the minute who are suffering and they're going through their own pain and, and i've i've been through my own stuff myself and i've had to go look it's uh you can get through this it's okay think it's, it's this is part of your growth it's part of your chain so but the gratitude for for all of it um yeah i was with my friend franz who you met at the sweat lodge i was talking yeah. about this with him the other day and um and he's got oh, there's some things i regret i'm like don't regret anything you shouldn't because all these things make you who you are um so for anyway for the people who are listening at home uh if can you give us some ideas about what is health and life coaching what what does that involve mm -hmm. so health and life coaching so basically what happened was that i i ended up healing myself through my own spiritual journey and I encountered a lot of modalities that helped me along the way and in the end I thought well I've learned so much and I I went from being in horrendous pain all the time to literally within 18 months not having any symptoms of endometriosis anymore 
after years and years of going to specialists, years and years of suffering, years and years of being told there was nothing you can do about this. So here I was 18 months after having started my healing journey and I had no pain, I had no symptoms. I was living a life, you know, full of joy and full of discovery. And, and I thought, well, this is amazing. And clearly people don't know about this. There are so many women that suffer from this illness and many suffer silently and that's being changed now because there is a lot more talk about it in the media and much more coverage. And I just had this real deep urge of sharing my story and of helping others and teaching them what they could do to help themselves. Um, so one of the, let's say, easiest ways to get into this was to say, well, okay, I'm going to do a qualification over two years and become a health and life coach because what had healed me was an approach that included nutrition, detoxing the body, um, and learning techniques of stress management. Mm -hmm. So stress is the major culprit, in a way, in our society for yeah. all the chronic illnesses, all the cancers, and endometriosis. And that was the biggest change that had helped me uh, in my journey because I dabbled with nutrition for years before and I'd cut out dairy and wheat and all of those things that helped with my endometriosis symptom but none of it had really healed it it mm. had kind of stopped the deterioration but it hadn't improved anything uh, whereas when I actually learned uh, techniques to help me deal with my stress better and to help me look at my thought process and my beliefs and all those deeper issues that's when the healing started and I could almost every month feel I was getting better and I yeah. was healing yeah so health and life coaching so a lot of modalities as you've mentioned before that I work with are very much energy medicines so there's Reiki, there's shamanism, um, there's matrix re-imprinting and EFT. All those techniques very much work in the subconscious. They work in the energy field. And for a lot of people out there, they're probably regarded as, oh, what's this? I'm not, yeah. I don't know. You know, can I trust this? So to me, doing a qualification as a health and life coach, where you get basic training in nutrition, you get uh, life coaching techniques that very much any psychotherapist would teach or you know any NLP practitioner would yeah. learn as well and so it was a more secular way in where I thought people might trust that more yeah and then once they develop the trust to me they might be a bit more open to the things that had truly helped me which wasn't the therapy but actually the energy medicine yeah stuff. yeah I've, I've, I've touched on some energy medicine with uh, in a previous episode um, through Reiki. Uh, is, what, what is your practice of Reiki? How did you learn to do that? Mm -hmm. So I actually had a Reiki treatment myself, and that was my first introduction to Reiki. In 2014, when because I was in such pain, I had booked myself into with the masses to have some massages to just relieve the tension that I was holding everywhere in my body yeah. through you know being in pain all the time your muscles tense up and probably the third session in or whatever she said oh I also do Reiki would you like me to try this mm -hmm. so 
I hadn't heard of Reiki, I, but I'm open for stuff. So I said, yeah, why not? Go on, yeah. give me a Reiki Give it treatment. a go. <laughs> and I literally had no idea what to expect. So I was like lying on the couch, you know, thinking, okay, let's see how this is different from a massage. And of course she didn't touch my body at all. Yeah. Yet I felt so relaxed. I had a level of relaxation that I hadn't felt in years. And I almost felt like I was floating on my couch mm. and, you know, and the pain would disappear. Wow. And it was just amazing. But at the time, I still, I guess I was still where a lot of people are and I didn't really trust this. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that I'd had a very positive experience, I went back to just having normal massages afterwards. Yeah. But that was the first intro to Reiki and she she didn't know anything about me. She, you know, she, I'd gone to her for a massage and she had actually picked up. She said, are you pregnant after the treatment? And I said, well, no, why? And she said, well, I can feel a tightness in your womb and ovary area. Wow. And of course, this is where the endometriosis would sit. Yeah. Um, so I was amazed how someone who didn't touch me at all could pick something like this up about me. Mm. Uh, and I guess there was an interest, but also a bit of fear, Yeah, you know? Um, so I left it at that. And then in 2016, I'd hit rock bottom. I was ready to kill myself, basically, because I didn't want to live anymore. I just could not bear the, yeah. the pain. And a local, my local health food shop, I had like an email list that I was on and sent, you know, a fly out of a local girl who was teaching Reiki. And I just... It was one of those things where yeah. you just follow your intuition and you just think, okay, I, I'm just going to try this. And I remember sitting there in the Reiki class in the first course we did, Reiki level one, which is all about self-healing and learning to feel energies and to work with energies and channel them for self-healing. And I just had this really deep sense of, uh, this is where I belong, or I'm home. Yeah. And that was enough, even though everything I learned was always a mix of amazement and spookiness and how does this work, but it does work. You know, it was almost like I couldn't negate my experience, but at the same time, I was really... I'm a very rational person normally. Yeah. So this was, you know, this was against everything. I would normally have believed him with my mm. rational brain. Yeah. Um, but I was at that point where I thought, this is actually doing me good, so I'm just going to go with it. I'm not yeah. going to question it, you know, rationally. I cannot explain why I'm feeling so good on this, but I'm just going to do it. It's not yeah. drugs. Yeah. It's legal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I did my Reiki self-healing. And then from then moved on to yeah. doing level two and then became a Reiki master in 2018 eventually. And today I teach Reiki courses. So I treat people with Reiki for, you know, people who come. It's very much part of my general practice with people. Um, but the main thing today, I probably would say as a Reiki master, I teach others how to self-heal and I take them through the levels, level one, level two, yeah. level three. And pass this beautiful Japanese healing technique on to whoever wants to learn it.
That's so awesome. I think it often takes us, um, when, when we reach rock bottom to open up, it seems that, that there's something in us where, where you end up kind of going, I will look anywhere for anything that might have some sort of impact on how I'm feeling or how my life is going. Um, and yeah, I think that happens for an awful lot of people. And so maybe that's part of the, the, was it the dark night of the soul. And that's yeah. part, of, part of that, that changing process. As part of your practice, you also do a thing called the Budvig diet. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of this. What is it? <laughs> so Dr. Joanna Budwig was a German cell researcher in the 1950s, actually, and you know, onwards. Um, and she was an incredible woman, way ahead of her time. She was actually nominated for, I think, six Nobel Prizes in her time, which wow. for a woman <sighs> is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and she worked for the state government as a researcher and mainly on fats and cells. And she discovered in her research, um, at the time, cancer was starting to be, you know, be detected more and more in people. Mm. And she wondered why that was. So, and, and she looked at the cell and because of her background and her research into fats and, and the cell, she noticed that the cell membranes of cells in a cancer cell basically had deteriorated to a point where they did not communicate with the body anymore and she looked at what's causing this and found out about the stress link she found out you know it was after the war and she found out about the importance of good fats in our body yeah after the war a lot of, there was a lot of margarine that was eaten yeah. um, because it was a cheaper alternative so she discovered that actually you know this margarine is really not good uh, yeah. for the fat that our body needs to restore the cell membranes which is a process that happens all the time and that if the body uses fat that comes from a processed fat product the communication that would normally happen will eventually break down because it's almost like those processed fats cannot Mm. haven't got the ability to communicate with the proteins that would bring the the nutrients into the cell yeah so eventually the cell wants to survive and starts to survive not by nutrients coming into it, but by a fermentation process that it starts within the cell. So it's basically cut off from the outside of the, you know, yeah. of the from the rest of the body. Um, so Budwig looked as a researcher as how can we reverse this process? And she developed a protocol based on giving good fats in forms of flaxseed oil um, Mm. into the body and nuts and seeds and all those natural fats um, together with protein, which is quark she uses for that. But, you know, I mean, protein, if you're, I've I've got a lot of vegan clients, so they would use chickpeas or lentils and other sources of vegetable-based protein. So Budwig would use quark, which is a bit like the Greek yogurt. Yeah, I've had It's high in protein and naturally no fat. She mixes it with the linseed oil, and that basically becomes a really lovely kind of yogurty cream that you end up eating in the morning at lunchtime. And that restores the cell membrane 
of the cells. So the cell can then start communicating with the body again. The immune system kicks in with its normal immune system function, and you're slowly reversing that process that made you ill back into health. Yeah. So I knew about Budwig because in Germany, my parents both had cancer, and the GP in our village happened to have breast cancer, and she healed herself. So within doctors, Budwig is really well known in mm. Germany. Um, so I knew about Budwig, and when I learned about a link between endometriosis and cancer, where endometriosis actually starts with the same cell change that cancer starts, i.e. this Warburg effect fermentation process, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, hang on, Budwig is what healed my parents of cancer in yeah, Germany. Yeah. So I went and spent my inheritance, basically, <laughs> and... I went to Germany um, to a Budwig clinic uh, near Stuttgart called the 3E Center and spent a month there. So they run monthly programs for mainly people with cancer. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, you know, I thought I could have a new car, but it not, that's not going to improve my life. Whereas yep. I can invest the same money in, in this clinic. You know, it was 10,000 euros at the time. I don't know what it is today. Um, and went and that month literally put me on a total change and you know changed my life and i'm so grateful you know i never regret a single penny i spent there it sounds like a great (laughs) investment (laughs) it gave me my life back so budwig is very close to my heart because you know it it basically yeah it, it helped me heal and what budwig always said was nutrition and detoxing the body is really important but if the body is stressed while you're doing all this none of it is really going to have an effect because you're going to be in the fight flight response and your parasympathetic nervous system that would deal with the absorption of nutrients that would deal with all your enzyme household your hormone household your detox, all those things, the uh, you know, digestion, that's switched off when you're under stress because mm. that's the fight-flight response, basically. Uh, um, so Budwig's protocol very much focuses on stress management and learning techniques like meditation, like breathing techniques, like mantra mm. singing, you know, there I was at this clinic thinking, oh, let's see what they do. And I'll probably have infusions on and God knows what supplements, yeah. you know, and, and there I was mantra singing. <laughs> excellent. excellent. And, and doing laughing yoga, yeah. uh, and, you know, uh, and learning Qigong. Yeah. Um, so all, the, all that made me realize where I had gone wrong before, where I had focused solely on nutrition, trying to heal myself. Mm. And it made me realize how important the stress learning yeah. how to deal with stress better actually is for healing so that's the the budwig diet it sounds extremely interesting and, and our lives your life has very much been changed by it and you also practice eft um i've done a bit of like tapping myself in the past emotional freedom technique when did you start doing yours so as part of my la- health and life coaching training we had you know very basic training in eft as one of the modalities you can use with clients to help them deal with stress. And I was really 
there was something there as I was learning it where I thought there was more to this than what we were learning, you know, as part of this health life coaching course. It was really just an introduction into it as one of the forms, um, one of the tools you can use and introduce your clients to. So when locally in my town, um, a guy called Carl Dawson, um, who was one of the original 29 EFT masters, uh, put on a, like, a course literally on my doorstep. I thought, well, I'm going to sign up and find out more about this. And I actually just found out about the EFT and just signed up for the EFT. But just before I went on the course, you know, one of those emails came that said, oh, all the ones signed up for EFT, blah, blah, blah. And the ones that are carrying on that week with Matrix re-imprinting, this is the info you need. So I thought, oh, I'd never heard of Matrix re-imprinting, no. but I pretty much booked the week off anyway. So I thought, well, why not do the whole week and see what this Matrix re-imprinting is all about? Mm. So for me, the two go to very much together. So EFT or emotional freedom technique, tapping, you use um, energy points of your body and anyone can literally go online. If you put in EFT, emotional freedom technique, there will be images that give you the points that you need to tap on. Uh, there will be YouTube videos where you can tap on pretty much any emotion you might be going through. There is EFT for anxiety, EFT for stress, yeah. EFT for menstrual problems, you know, whatever you might have. If you search on YouTube, there will be videos. And EFT the idea is it will free you of the emotion. So as you're going into anger, let's say, instead of that anger consuming you, and we all know that we can, you know, you can carry that with you. If someone upsets you, you can carry it with you for days, if not weeks, if not years for some people. Mm. So instead of doing that, you use the tapping and you tap yourself through the emotion of anger. And as you're tapping, you're feeling into that emotion, you're feeling into where in the body you might, you're feeling that, and you are consciously releasing that through the tapping. Yeah. And then halfway through, as you're feeling, you will feel as you're tapping that your body will get calmer, your anger will slowly subside. Uh, and when that starts to happen, you try and switch into some sort of positive emotion. So you're trying to see, okay, well, I'm angry at the moment, but what's, what can I see that's positive in this? What, have, mm. what am I learning from this? So that's the sort of EFT process. What matrix re-imprinting does is it uses this, the tapping to connect to your subconscious. A lot of our beliefs have been formed in childhood and they're running in the background without us even being aware yeah. of them. They will be beliefs that you have grown up with because your parents, your grandparents held those beliefs and they were passed on to you and you haven't, you never even questioned it because as mm. a child, you don't question things. You just watch the people around you and make sense of the world by observing how other people make sense of the world. Yeah. So, of course, we all know that some things that our parents might have done 
might be down to beliefs they held, which were actually mm. either wrong beliefs in the first place or society and our life has changed and they are no longer valid beliefs to hold. Mm. So matrix re-imprinting goes into belief patterns and helps us to reprogram, if you like. Yeah, if you think as a child, you were programmed to yeah. believe yeah. certain things, you can use EFT to connect to the subconscious, find those beliefs or those patterns that might keep you in a loop now as an adult and might yeah. prevent you from living your best life. And you can actually then use a process to reprogram your belief. Yeah. Where you connect to your younger self and, you know, with colors and shapes and what have you. And, and you, you go, oh, actually, from my adult perspective today, how would I actually see that event that might have happened in the past? What meaning would I give it with my knowledge today? And how can I heal that in my energy field mm. so that not the old belief, but the new belief actually sits there? Wow. And does, um, and does shamanism, is that a part of that cha changing these beliefs in somebody? Yes. So all of those um, modalities like Reiki or EFT and matrix re-imprinting, they are based on the belief that we are not just a body. We are not just a mind, but we are actually a mind, body and spirit. So to me, I always say in the 21st century, spirit to me is the energy part of us. Yeah. And shamans have always worked with that energy part of the human being. So, so shamanism or a shaman in tribal cultures would be the medicine men of the tribe. Shamanism has existed as long as humans have existed. So there have always been healers in communities. You know, today we call them doctors. Back then they were yeah. the shamans of yeah. their, their community. And they will use nature. So they're very much in tune with nature and use herbs and whatever nature has to give to help with the healing. But a big aspect of shamanic work is to actually regard the human as a mind, body and spirit. And to have the belief that the energy always comes first and physics would say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's always energy first and then it from that energy densifying, you will eventually get to matter and to the physical world forming. So a shaman would never just cure the body or heal the body. A shaman would always, in a first instance, actually heal the energy field. Yeah. Because the energy field holds the information that the body grows into, if you like. Interesting. So, so if there is a body that's not functioning correctly, it's a shaman would believe, well, the energy must have been not functioning correctly for a long time for yeah. the physical to manifest eventually into that imbalance. So to, for the, to allow the body to heal, you first have to create an energy field that will support that healing body. That's amazing. Almost like a mold, you know, yeah. if you think yeah. well, if your mold is, is faulty, in the energy field, your body isn't going to be able to heal in, into the mold. You need to heal the vibrational field first. So 
again, shamanism works with altered states of consciousness, which, which all these things yeah. tap into. Um, and you, so there's something called shamanic journeying or shamanic dreaming. So it's dream states, they yeah. would have said, you know. And the idea is that in the energy world, there is knowledge, wisdom um, that we can tap into. And shamanic dreaming allows you to bring that back into your consciousness in a way. So just like in EFT we use, and matrix re-imprinting, we use this technique of getting into our subconscious to reform our beliefs. In the shamanic world, you would have a power animal or a spirit guide. Connect. You would learn how to journey to a drumbeat and you would connect to your power animal or your spirit guide and they would guide you. So that takes the mind out because yeah. you're being guided. It's always, all this work is about bypassing our mind. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah? the rational mind is always trying to tell you those stories that are based on your beliefs. <laughs> so we've got to bypass those. So a shaman would do that through a shamanic journey to a drumbeat and you connect to your spirit or your guide or your power animal and you go in with a question that you might have about your life and say, well, why can I not change this? Or why am I always getting angry when X, Y, Z happens? Or why am I so depressed and I cannot get myself out of this? And your spirit guides have answers that in your consciousness you would not find, but in the energy field, those answers are there. That's so cool. So we've touched on a lot of things in a very short space of time. If people want to find out more about all this stuff uh, in, a, in, in more detail, how, how can they get in touch with you? So the easiest way is probably to have a look at my ve website, which is www.venke, which is W-E-N-K-E hyphen Langhoff, L-A-N-G-H-O-F for Freddie.com. Um, that's the easiest way to see what I do to learn a bit about my story. There's a blog on there and to get in touch with me via the contact link on there. Wonderful. Venka, it's been absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. And it's been a privilege to meet you. Uh, and, uh, and I hope our friendship continues in the yes, future. I hope so too. Yeah. I hope there'll be many more sweat lodges to come. Absolutely. Enjoy that. It was so good. It was so good. It really has changed me. And it's um, just meeting you and, and everybody else who was involved in that experience. It was a very, it was a very moving place to be. So, and uh, yeah, and our journey continues together. It's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Namaste. Thank you for this. Namaste. Namaste, Thank beautiful you. friend. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.